1: to the Diversity Remix, Busting the Echo Chambers of Culture, Politics, and Business. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week on TDR, The Rogan Experience. In our deep dive today, we'll tackle the phenomenon of podcaster, MMA analyst, and pop culture bellwether Joe Rogan, and recent criticisms that his personal brand has moved dangerously close to the far right. And in Courage or Cringe, Chris Cuomo suspended, Bobert and Omar feud, and Notre Dame Cathedral wokeness. Was a leading media personality focused on family ties by helping his embattled ex-governor brother, or was he leveraging his connections and influence to cover for an abuser? Did a congresswoman make an unfortunate but innocent error in a highly partisan political environment, or did she engage in dangerous rhetoric that fuels bigotry against minorities? And finally, is a religious landmark innovating to increase the impact of their worship experience? Or have they caved a classic Catholic institution to their woke constituents? This and more this week on TDR. I mean, have you come across any of the new enforcement of the uh, vaccine mandate for LA County? Oh, for sure, a while ago. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, this, but it's only been enforced since Monday. Enforced, not introduced no well it, it's like somebody been, it's stopping been, you and saying show
2: me your your vaccination yeah that uh, that's been going on because that that came into effect
1: um october i want to say no november 4th or something and then they they started okay, enforcing sure. it on the 28th so 20- yeah whatever, whatever it was i i saw it early
2: before it was even official yeah. i saw it in november yeah um most bars restaurants uh i've had that happen plenty of times um, yeah. I mean especially like in the like in Venice area and all that. Yeah. Like um uh Santa Monica, yeah, they've been doing that for a while. Yeah. And, and there's still places now that you go to that you don't do it at all. That even in places where say they're going to is that they haven't, haven't done it.
1: Well for outside seating they don't have to, so they don't do it. But if you try to go inside a place, they will. Yeah, I've
2: had it plenty of times. Uh, so, plenty so, of times here in LA,
1: mm-hmm. uh in New York
2: as well. Um they're a lot, they're everywhere. Um yeah, that was probably that's the most consistent I've seen is in New York everywhere you went, that's what they were they were asking you for your uh, um your vaccine card and then ID. So as an example, of that I went to go visit the Museum of Modern Art, the MoMA in New York, and you there you have a lot of people that are not from New York that are there, and and sure enough, they had a line and they were just checking every single person. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I had to. And oh, restaurants, bars. I had lunch with a mu- mutual friend of ours this week, and it's it, you know it was today is what's today Wednesday Thursday today's Thursday Monday for those people who are not Angelinos Monday is when the for the for the city of L A not county of L A city of L A that ma- vaccination mandate went into enforcement effect meaning that businesses could then from apart from Monday be fined for not doing this. Uh. Yeah. It's been introduced to your point about a month ago or yeah. earlier than that. But this mutual friend of mine was like, "Hey, let's go to you know lunch at this place." I was like, "Sure, no problem." And then I thought about it. I was like, "Because I think you may know this about me, but I don't know if anybody if I've said this on the show. I, hopefully, I've been clear about my stance on being pro-vaccine. But I don't share my my status with anybody, like mm-hmm. or my my medical status of any kind with anybody. Sure. And so I said to him, I was like, "Hey, you know, we just better make sure that we have a, like a place outside because." If like the waiter asked me to show him my vaccine, I'm not going to show him anything. And he was like, "Oh, that's interesting." But it came up again with this Erica Badu thing because, you know, we got invited to this event. Mm-hmm. But in order to get into Newhouse, and it is an indoor event, mm-hmm. um, you have to you have to, do, and, it, and they don't accept the negative. Test right, that's for that.
2: outdoor. Yeah, because that's the thing too. Uh, even uh, when I went to the football game yeah. to the to Sophie Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, SoFi Stadium. They they same thing. There you have to show either a proof vaccine or um a a recent uh negative result
1: of, yeah. of COVID. And that was when was that? That was in
2: October. Maybe it was November. Maybe it was like right beginning of November that I
1: went there. So there's been a couple of variations, but now the law yeah. for the city of Los Angeles is that uh for and it's, any just indoor, indoor, it's just indoor. No, so if it's no, outdoor it's for outdoor uh but up outdoor between up to ten thousand, hmm. you have to still it still applies. Beyond ten thousand Somehow it doesn't like it applies, like what you went through, which is either this or that, or right? Yeah. Exactly. But, mm-hmm. it, but, but, but for this mandate, so it was interesting because it's definitely for some very interesting conversations with people, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I think you gotta have to like plan for all that stuff now, for sure. Um, right? do you think it goes away? at any point or you think it's a you think it's a, just a new normal now when you walk four years from now if you walk into a place are they going to ask you for your covid vaccine i think it goes away i mean this is i think
2: there's a part of of saying what is reasonable when you're in an active pandemic where you have what is it seventy thousand people still testing positive every is it every day or every, i forgot I what the there's is. like a
1: thousand cases a day it's, or something it's, yeah right? it's still
2: super high right mm-hmm. um and then you have Potential new variants. and so You have a lot of stuff that is
1: going on, That's right? That's the part that worries me. It's like, so isn't there there gonna is there going to be new a, variants like for the next fifteen years? I mean, we've had like I a mean, thousand flu variants. I mean, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but it's, it's the it's the it still is the level of how quickly these things spread, which is the thing is the people that thing that concerns people the most. How quickly they spread. I, I think the more you're introducing ways to really treat people. And the more the death rate continues to drop, then it becomes less. My hope is it becomes less of of an issue that even if you do get sick, then the likelihood just becomes across the board. Not just you as an individual, but you giving somebody else and someone else then dying because they got it. As all that continues to drop, I have to imagine you start getting away from that.
1: And that is happening now, right? I mean, uh, uh, transmissibility may be increasing, but lethality is definitely dropping. It has. Which is what viruses do. I mean, that's just what viruses do. More people end up getting it, and then less people end up getting sick or dying from it.
2: Yeah. So I'm looking new cases. What what is the time period? It's 86,000. Is that on a given day? Yes, daily. Mm -hmm. 86,000 cases cases a day, right? Uh, 947 deaths a day. And
1: hospitalizations, but but those stats hospitalization are still lower. fifty
2: five thousand a day, right? So I remember so when the right hospitalization
1: now, or the death was like thousands right now, a day. Right now, hospitalization
2: is up sixteen percent, and I think the part of the question is going to happen here is as we get into the holidays, are we going to have the same thing? Because that what I mean that's when it got that was the worst, the worst time period that we've had was over the like in right, January too. Yeah, so. it was January, right? Yeah. That was the worst. Right now, hospitalization is up sixteen percent. Mm-hmm. Deaths are down ten percent. Mm-hmm. Right, that's from a fourteen day average. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can see there has been like a drop and then starting to kind of do a little bit of an uptick. And then daily case still 86,000. I mean it's still a pretty active uh pandemic, right? That that is going on. So I hope it does go down cuz I think there's also a, a part of uh I, it doesn't sound yeah, I, I would have issue with with this being just the ongoing new normal where you're in this constant state, especially if you if you are get get to a point where those deaths really do start decreasing even further than that. Yeah. So, where it's not in this act, I mean, the part of the question is like, to what degree can we frame something as being an active pandemic? And when the what is the cutoff between being an active pandemic and not? And I'm sure people have talked about it. I just don't know what it
1: is. Well, and that's been part of the challenge is the definitions and the goalposts seem to evolve and move. And yeah. the answer that you get, depending on who you talk to, is some variation of, well, this is the evolution based on the data that we're receiving. So things evolve based on new data that we have. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you might have people who are maybe a little bit less charitable about how they feel about things and it's like no this is just you know people are you know I mean they, they, just,
2: they just they just introduced in Germany to hear mm-hmm. this they just introduced uh like really strict laws for the unvaccinated like almost a not a full lockdown but they are being across the entire country where if you're unvaccinated there's almost there's very few things you can go to without showing uh, you know, that you that you're fully vaccinated, right? You can go to the groceries and things like that. They're very, very like um, limited scope. Limited scope. Uh, but across the country, they already had it in some areas, but not across the country. and They just put that in.
1: There are definitely players in this pandemic that, though you can tell, have let's just say blossomed during the pandemic in terms of their exposure and visibility, where. It's got to be a challenge for them to give up that limelight, right? I think a lot about Fauci as an example. And, and, you know, him coming out, he had a press release, press release, press conference about Omicron, Omicron, whatever it is, the new variant. I'm waiting for Megatron. That's the next one. Remember Megatron? I do. Um, Transformers. But, but I'm thinking more than myself, beats the eye. For a guy who's been kind of behind the scenes and to have been for the last two years, basically like one of the most famous people in the country. And you can you can kind of see that there's- But his
2: his limelight has dropped significantly over the last six months. Think about how much you were talking about it on a daily basis with Trump. And it was because of all the, like, the constant infighting, the amount of yeah, that, like, his press time has dropped now. significantly.
1: It has, but it's still, it's still well, major yeah, news sure. just this week. Well, I mean, it, it was is. like a Rolling Stone concert. But COVID like, is was... major
2: news. I mean, that, that's the, the thing is like, it's still very relevant. Yeah. But like, he, and you and I talked about like, to me, like, dude, go away, go work. Like, don't show up on anything. Like, this is not helping the cause. I think COVID is, the tr- the, is Trump in the sense that it's one of those topics that is so polarizing that people that want to sensationalize it are benefiting from it. People that are want to rally against it are benefiting from it. I mean, I know we're going to talk about it when we talk about Joe Rogan, but the, there is the pro-vaccine movement. Or, and there's the the, the the anti-vaccine movement, and both are benefiting from this news still being And who's willing, in really really the right middle
1: around. of those both is media. Media's in the middle of both of those. It turns a lot of pages. I told you about sure. my-
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. like, it's like, that. this is it's the new version of Trump. You don't have the same controversial- oh, I see what you're
1: saying. So it's, this is the It is a Trump
2: proxy of, yeah. of a topic that just so polarized, everyone wants to talk about Everybody it. Everybody wants to talk about
1: it. And it yeah, and it raises
2: everyone's you know temperature, temperature yeah. and it raises everyone's you know interest to want to consume that content, depending on which side you're in. You don't have that anymore in the White House. You can say a lot of things about <laughs> about Joe Biden. He's not that. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny, man? I was uh, this last few days. I would say I've gone through like a little bit of a reminiscent period where I've been uh, seeing a lot of old content that was and to be perfectly candid, mostly like Saturday Night Live content, like. Weekend review, like the show, yeah. and during the Trump presidency, what they actually talk about, it, there was just so much. There were so, so many. Much things. To talk if you are a
1: comedian, it. oh yeah, it's having hey, a presidency echo yeah, 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 Trump yeah, was just yeah. like gold. We'll get to this encourage. See your cringe. See you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. that part was just so we'll, just, and it is just amazing. We'll it's just get, amazing. We'll get to this encourage your cringe when we talk about our friend Chris Cuomo. But um, I heard one of the Fox uh, anchors who has his own, not anchors, uh, uh, personalities who has one of his own late night shows. A guy named Greg Gutfeld. Apparently his show on in late night is actually outreaching, uh, you know, like these other late night guys. But anyway, I've never heard of him. Yeah. He, he's like the biggest late night guy right now. Okay, <laughs> right. But, sure. I don't watch any late night stuff, but yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently nobody else does. But he's the biggest of them apparently right. in terms of ratings. But anyway, yeah. his thing was he was so pro Chris Cuomo. He was like, I'm going to defend Chris Cuomo to the death. And his rationale was, I got so m- so much material. He's like, it kills me to give him up. I right. can't give him up. Yeah. So if you take him off the air, yeah. I got nothing to talk about. Super interesting. That is that is interesting. Well, somebody I else who has a lot to say. That. Somebody else who's had a lot to say about COVID is uh, Joe Rogan, and I thought it was like an interesting deep dive to to talk about him broadly because. Obviously, there was a story that kicked off on this about um, was it a Vice story? Vice, yeah, it was Vice, Vice Carter story. Yeah, yeah. Who kind of said Joe Rogan is now you know, sort of threat level midnight kind of thing, and it's it's you have to deal with him, right? He's your he's kind of your doing. I don't know who they were talking to, but basically, like, well, the the, the piece was is actually titled
2: "Joe Rogan Is Everyone Else's Problem." That's, right? what, I, that's and, what it and was, really what yeah. they what they meant by that in this. And this this was written by Anna Merlin from uh, from Vice, right? Her point was that. Joe Rogan is kind of going under the radar right now in terms of of uh, not really ha- from her perspective and getting any accountability of a lot of the conspiracy theories that he is either saying himself or bringing people along to to bring to bring on, and because he has the cover of Spotify, who's basically at this point has said you could do what you want and we're not going to really fight it. Her her view is that Joe Rogan is actually becoming much much more far right, or or emboldening much more far right voices or points of view, mm-hmm. without any kind of real way to to sen- not censor is the wrong word maybe to man- you know to like counterbalance that. Mm-hmm. So basically, and the media companies are not going to do it. Artists are not going to do it because they see it as this is a massive platform, and therefore is everyone else's problem trying to figure out how you're going to basically c- counteract. Uh, these narratives that someone like a Joe Rogan is putting out without cease to be any kind of checks like there is no checks to balance like as many is more like the broader point that I think she was trying
1: to you've be. mentioned before too that you've noticed I guess maybe more recently oh, yeah, that yeah. you were like I told you this yeah, yeah, yeah. that so I, that's the reason I wanted to talk about it was because I'd heard you say something to yeah. that I haven't followed him as you know since January really because his move to Spotify just I, I I don't listen I don't use the Spotify platform that much and he wasn't enough of a reason for me to do it and I see a lot of his little clips on YouTube so I don't, it's kind of like I don't need to listen to the three hour show sure but um I hadn't noticed that as much. So I guess I wanted to maybe just ask you, like, yeah. what in particular you think is, I think it's, it's is validating her piece?
2: I think her piece. there is truth to what she's saying. I do think that Joe Rogan has become much more, kind of far right is maybe the wrong way to think about him. But it's funny, you know, thinking about COVID as a as this uh, real controversial topic, and yet people that have benefited from both the the, the sort of the pro-COVID, COVID, vaccine, pro-lockdowns, and then you have the anti-COVID vaccine, the anti-lockdowns. He's in that camp who has significantly benefited from that. And I think his show has become very much this anti-mainstream media. And maybe that's, look, I think part of, if you read through the lines of what she's saying, she positions, I think she views anti-mainstream media as being far-right media. Mm -hmm. I think there is like, at least in her mind, I think some high correlation there between those two things. Um, but well, I but, find but, myself. But, but
1: would that follow from the thought that, from the thought whether it's true or not, that mainstream media largely, or let's call it legacy media, largely is left. So therefore, anything against uh, yeah, it would be I guess right. You, I
2: guess you can say that. But the biggest net, network news, cable network news, is Fox, and has been for a very long time. Right. Your biggest brand of cable news is a, is a right media.
1: Yeah, see, but, what I'm saying like like but so. That's from almost... that
2: perspective, it's 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 all odd, it's odd to me. To me, Fox is mainstream media. Yeah. So is C- so is CNN. So is MSNBC. Like, oh, they're all mainstream. media. But wouldn't media. that be like
1: saying, saying that maybe the biggest athlete in the world is LeBron James, and that's not the same as saying basketball is the most popular sport? In other words, you have a leader in a, in a category which is Fox, but when you think of all of media across the board, and you're saying, well, the biggest one is Fox. Okay, great. What about the other 99 positions out of 100? And if you say you know, that a good chunk of them are left, it, it, you see what I'm saying? It's like you're comparing things in different categories, yeah, leader I, I guess, versus predominance.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess I'm thinking about more in the context of reach, of, of popularity, of mindshare. I will still say Fox has a very strong position in the mainstream media of mindshare. Right. Um, now, you can say there's a bunch of other ones, but to, to some extent, you can start saying like how, how relevant something's become because they have such smaller audience to begin with. I just have a hard time thinking that, may, that those guys are not mainstream. Media. Like, What makes them not mainstream? Right? No, I think they are mainstream, They're very but, mainstream, but what
1: I'm saying is you're almost saying that, hey, the biggest one is Fox, ergo, there is balance in the uh, in the force. I, I, you yeah, could yeah. make the case, you could have the biggest person be conservative, and yet the industry not be. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I, I agree with you. That's um, uh, What I was referring to that is I think her view of him, because his position is anti-mainstream media, is, the, is that people that are anti-mainstream media are going to be right. Right or more far right and the more anti-mainstream media he's become the more i think he's viewed in the lens of being far right i think that's one way two that people think about him my issue with why i think he's i think there is some re- level here of, of relevance of what she's saying is that especially as it relates to the COVID situation he is really one of those that i think it comes up at this point in every single show right in every single show he is the the if you if you talk about Anthony fauci being like this guy that got a big rise on it like Joe Rogan is the, is equivalent the or higher as he is now the medical God for a lot of people mm-hmm. how many people have have quoted that though yeah I talked to Joe Rogan about I got COVID, so therefore I reached out to Joe Rogan Aaron Rodgers mentioned him just recently as the only person like you can like are you gotta be kidding me
1: yeah
2: like what are you talking about N- yeah. now it was like oh I'm fine because I talked to Joe rogan it's some <laughs> and some people are like oh great yeah. Then he talked to the, the most trusted source around COVID vaccine, a guy who literally will say, "I'm a moron. Don't listen to me. I'm a comedian." Yeah, but, but, but yeah, it becomes such a it's become such a big part of his brand now.
1: But don't you think that that is an a, a, a kind of a admission that a skeptical outlook around what traditional medicine is could be healthy? In other words, l- let me give you just a quick example mm-hmm. from my own life. Okay, I never go to the doctor. Like I just never do. And my wife is always after me. She was gone for a few months, as you know, recently. And she said, you got to go to the doctor, get yourself a checkup, whatever. I'm in my mid-40s, et cetera. Okay, great. I go to the doctor. I go to an osteopath. We've had this osteopath for 15 years. That's a medical doctor, but one that is about holistic and natural health, meaning that she wants to find out the underlying things rather than dealing with the symptom. You could have an elbow pain, but it may be because of something in your back. So rather than Mm -hmm. giving you a cream for your elbow... Let's work on your back. That's the kind of general thinking of an osteopath. Sure. I go to the doctor. She does a battery of blood tests. This woman is really good, incredibly expensive, like ridiculously expensive. Okay. I go back for my like results of all my blood tests and she goes, oh yeah, you have this thing in your nose. It's a bacterial thing in your sinuses. Mm-hmm. You've probably had it for 10 years. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. She gives me this nose spray thing, which is made in a compounding factory mm-hmm. or compounding pharmacy rather. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that I can breathe out of both of my nostrils for the first time in probably a decade today. This is literally like two days ago. And I'm thinking to myself now, I've gone over the course of that 10-year period to two different doctors, traditional doctors. One of them wanted me to have turbinate surgery, which ironically is something Rogan has done. It was funny. But to basically increase the size of your nose so you could breathe better. The other one said, like, let's do a sleep test because you have sleep apnea. And I've been using a a CPAP machine for two years since then. I can now the the one person who like, let's look at what the hell's going on with you. Oh, you have this bacterial infection that's making it impossible for you to breathe. I now know this. I've been dealing with this for a friggin' decade. So my point is that having somebody go, Hey, taking that pill or doing that thing or looking at it that way, just because it's what this vast uh sort of yeah. You see so, like, I, I I hear what you're saying, and I don't think that he's a medical uh, source at all. I don't think people should be listening to him as a I medical the, source, but I do like the skepticism yeah, 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 of uh, the but, typical but th- approach I to do things. I think what has
2: happened with Joe Rogan is he went from being—this is what I liked about him to where I don't like about him now. He went from the place where a lot of views can be expressed, a guy that is looking to bring on—maybe maybe sometimes people that are counter-movements, people that have different points of view into a place where we have discussion— or is isn't really no longer that. It's a place for anti-mainstream, anti-traditional medicine views. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it's, it's gone away from being a place where it was like, yeah, we should talk about other kinds of things. And I think he, because he himself is that. Mm-hmm. He is now the face. He is the anti-Fauci in many ways, if you think about it. It's not Rand Paul. It's him. It's, when people are saying that you have celebrities, people that I like, that people look up to saying like, I know what I'm doing because I talked to Joe Rogan, who is the source of truth now. He's now become the source of truth. He's no longer the venue, the place to have conversation. He himself has become the source of truth. I think it, he's embraced that role. And I think that's where, when people start saying that, is he becoming more far, far right? I always thought that he has very uh, progressive views when it comes to things like gender equality to some extent, right? Because there's some stuff that is controversial. But when it comes to uh, LGBTQ rights, he's very he like he's very for pro um, you know, gay marriage and he he's brought on like even like one guy who was a um what what is he? He's a uh power lifter. I think it's what it is, a power lifter that is gay and like a good friend of him. So yeah on that side he's super progressive and he's, he's been there for a long long time. He's also
1: super progressive on um, drug policy. A drug uh, yeah, he is very progressive also on drug policy. On pornography For on sure. so he's on a lot
2: things. on on those things. But I think there are certain topics where he maybe was already a little bit more conservative but I think he's become the voice for that conservative movement. And part of the question becomes with these things is like do you become the person for a movement even if people kind of disagree with the rest of you like Trump is that Trump is, was the most the people, people literally voted for him because of his views on pro-life, because of, and that's a, a very religious-first kind of view. Someone that was literally cheated on his wife with a porn star while she was pregnant. People don't suddenly forget that. That's we're okay with that. Because we think there's a bigger reason, a bigger purpose that I could support, and I think Joe Rogan has kind of become that. Mm.
0: Interestingly, and I think it's, it went from it's, like this place to have conversations yeah.
2: to like now it's 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 become something else.
1: It's the same kind of feedback, ironically, that I that I commented on a couple weeks ago about Tucker Carlson, which is the thing that I liked the most about him was that he was the one place on cable where you could actually hear another. In fact, he I would say he even launched some right. some liberal pundits right yeah. on his show but that's definitely gone away and i was thinking about that with Rogan again you're you're closer to it than i am but i remember him having definitely pro- liberal i mean radicals on his show yeah. and then also have like maybe radicals on 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 the right or, or or at least conservatives but i'm not sure that if you look at the guest lineup it's that much to the extent that it's a political guest cuz a lot of times he'll have comedians and other people and athletes and whatever but I don't know that I've seen that same mix. And, and even in as that, much.
2: like the part that I that I found interesting with him, even when it's having comedians and people that are fighters, like it takes 2.5 seconds for every one of those shows to turn to the exact same thing. Yeah. It becomes like a, some kind of anti-vaccine, anti vaccine, anti. Mainstream media conversation. But, but, let it's me, like,
1: but, but let me push back on you. To though. me, it's like, yeah.
2: wow, like you you really, like going back from being a place where people can have these broader conversations, that it becomes a very much. And the, the other one that, I, so the, the ones like his main go to for every conversation now is something to do with that is anti, let me say, let's call it anti traditional medicine. Let's call it that, right? Because it, it includes a whole bunch of different things. There's That's one. There's anti mainstream media. This is the second one. And then the third one, which is maybe – I'm taking it away personally at this point. It's an anti-L.A. conversation, yeah. like just constantly just dump – which which basically, Which basically, if you take a, a step back, is an anti-democratic or – not democratic, democrat government kind of point of view. Yeah. Right? So – and those are like all like pretty large staples at this point in yeah. the culture wars that are very much – I agree with Much that. more right-driven than anything else.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um yeah, the, I guess, you know, the, the thing to me is also that, that this whole subject with Rogan has brought up to me is the importance of definitions around stuff, right? Because, you know, even you and I, we talk about conservative, we talk about progressive, we talk about liberal. And I think that, like, you know, we need more conversations around what these things actually mean. And maybe the, maybe the terminology is evolving, right? But mm-hmm. I look at somebody like Rogan. To my mind, he has a very libertarian bent, okay? And yeah, libertarian mm-hmm. is really somebody who advocates for, you know, minimal intervention by the government in your own life and minimal intervention in the business world. That's basically what a libertarian has traditionally been. It's almost like they share all this, the they share those with conservatives. And frankly, they share that with classical liberals as well. The difference is on social issues, right? Mm-hmm. Where a conservative is free enterprise, private ownership, but has more socially traditional ideas. Yeah. Whereas a libertarian like for there is no concept of the culture because just leave me alone, it doesn't matter. And a liberal, at least classically, would be more about cultural liberation, right? So, so to me it's like understanding what those things are. We've we become very unnuanced in our in our looking at a political spectrum and now tend to classify people as far left or far right. Especially far right. I've heard that one That's become so popular now. If anybody has a, not anybody, I'm exaggerating, somebody has a right of center perspective or something that's controversial to talk about, Uh oftentimes they're painted in a far right brush. I do not think that Joe Rogan is anything like a far right personality. I think he's a libertarian. And I think that right now, because he's, you know, because of COVID and everything else, maybe he ends up in a food group with other people who have those same things but I don't think him personally yeah, is
2: that I agree with you I also wouldn't put Trump necessarily as who when you think about it, who, someone based on his personal choices and who he is should he be have been the, the head the voice of a conservative movement
1: yeah I don't no I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. well even he even he right. himself, even he himself and, and, said and, it was yet, common sense conservatism that's but, what he used to yet, call it
2: but yet you still become the, pre- the, the, the president sure Right, so it is interesting, right, because I agree with you. I don't think that Joe Rogan is someone that is conservative or far right as an overall. I just think that because of the positions that he has now made them passion points of his. That he continues to beat or this is why, this is why for me it's been harder to listen to him now because it's every single show.
1: Well, but, but regardless of
2: who's on, that yeah. is like, oh, okay. Oh. But you brought
1: up a point earlier like, about COVID being it's just a big story. Yeah. And so if my show is conversations and it's gonna come up in every conversation, then why couldn't I tell you, hey, hey, you just acknowledge this. For
2: sure. That's why I, I say that COVID is the, the new Trump. In terms of the topic, right? You could say the same thing about every single news, you know, news network out there. that all like lost a bunch of ratings. All of them did when Trump was out of office because that's all they could talk about. And mm-hmm. it was it was reasonable why you talked about it. It's like, did you see the last tweet? Did you see the last, you know, you uh, know, news conference that, that he had or whatever press, you know, uh, um, press briefing? There's plenty of reasons why you would have it. I'm just simply saying that I think that has become, and for a second, some people have really tripled down on it as a topic that is going to be part of every conversation. I get the why it happens. I'm just simply saying that I think that's part of what is why I think he's being framed this way. I think it just, it's made it – for me, it's made it hard to listen to him because I feel like it doesn't no longer feel like this place where different points of view can come and have a conversation.
1: Do you think that his is an important voice? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: I do think. Yeah, I'm, I'm not for – you know I have talked about this. Even with we disagree, I'm not for – I don't think the response is censoring people right I I don't um and I think having a a skepticism I think is important um it does, does it worry me how people treat him as like he's the source of truth that worries me a lot because when I listen to it there's so much that I think he is so irresponsible that he says now he's irresponsible if he is an elected official he's not irresponsible if he's doing exactly what he does like I'm just here talking shit I'm talking shit with my friends I get that, but just that you're talking shit, people view it as if that's the truth. Well, people are calling you now and being the source of a medical expert. They're literally like quoting you like, yeah, no, I did. I talked to Joe Rogan, so therefore, like, I'm good. That's where it's like a really weird thing, mm-hmm. right? It's like, my sort of truth is Kanye West, so I, yeah, I call Kanye West, so they, we're all good. I'm like, wait a minute, like, I like Kanye West, Kanye West is, is a really good artist. There's a lot of things I like about him, but should he be the source of truth on a number of different things. I don't
1: know. How can he mitigate? See what I'm saying. Like, how, how can he mitigate that though? Because in other words, he he himself says I shouldn't be that. In other words, like yeah, are, are you at a point where how can you be a, how can you be responsible for what people may? In other words, is he doing something to advance that? I, I think thought? he. I think he is. I think this piece is definitely making that case. I would
2: say that right. And this piece is making that case based on the circles that he's now part of in a more frequent manner. He talked. They talked about quite a bit about his, like there is this fascination that Alex Jones has with him, and it seems to be at least a little bit mutual, right? And making the case that, by the way, Alex Jones literally just lost a case uh, that was brought against him by 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 the Sandy Hook parents, where uh, Alex Jones was calling it all a hoax that these were all like paid actors that were, and he just lost that case. But yet, you know, that doesn't seem to play any 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 effect into the calculus of Joe Rogan to want to do more things with him. Mm-hmm. So we're like what well, what's going on here? I think part what I would love to see Jerome get back to a little bit more of being that place where a lot of different voices come in. Like we have potentially someone that doesn't agree with them where it is doesn't it's not going to they have to walk into a fight.
1: Do you think that he is do you think that there's also on the guest side of the equation, reluctance to engage with him, though. Like, let, for instance, we're going to talk about Elon Omar getting into a feud with Lauren yeah. uh, Bobert. Um, do you think that Elon Omar would be on his show? I don't think so, and I don't think it would have anything I, to do with I, Rogan.
2: I think she would. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking someone like her would. I think uh, AOC would as well. I mean, you had uh, Dr. Gupta, right? That that yeah. basically, and that came from him reaching out. And Joe Rogan said it like. He reached out to me, and Joe was like, oh, I was surprised he wanted to talk to me. Like, yeah, Joe, but I, I want to understand how you think, and I wanted to talk to you. Like, that's – and to his credit, Joe Rogan, like, took his call, talked to him, said, hey, you're not a bad guy. Let me have you on, right? Even though it was a time where he had a lot of issues with CNN. Deservedly so, right? Because they were really calling out and saying that he was taking horse to him, knowing that that's not what, actually what he took, right? So, But that's a case where it's like they're coming to him. And and you know Dr Gupta to his credit he came to him and Joe Joe to his credit let's have him in but that's like that's a I would love to see a little bit more proactiveness and maybe it does happen and I just don't know and he's such a popular guy that I'm sure he doesn't have to call anyone no it's all but he's always said that who he talks to is a matter of who he finds interesting that's why he does have many times these authors and so I'm guessing those are him reaching out to them unless they're all coming in and then he'll take a look at like ah, is this interesting I think or not? it's probably both ways but yeah, I maybe. just
1: think that as that this. If your perspective in the vice piece are, are are, you know, the if, if the kind of needle is going to that side, I think the more it goes to that side, the more reluctant people might be. I, I would at, say to, this. To I don't going. agree
2: with the vice piece that he's far right.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't
2: think he's far right. Mm-hmm. What I do think is that he is becoming in many ways – the spokesperson, the brand, the person that people look to that are more from that far-right group, even if he himself is not fully that. Because I agree with this. There's plenty of things that he's not, that he's counter to the far-right. But we've also seen that movie before. We've seen that with Trump.
1: Yeah, I would agree to see that, that but I think it's a bedfellow kind of dynamic. I don't think it's because people see him as being 100% aligned with their values. For sure. I think it's because they can see him as a... Uh, as a big enough platform that could be a battering ram against some some things that are common enemies, and that's, that's how, what I think. And
2: that's how we had that's how we got Trump elected. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. exactly how it happened, right? People didn't al- al- align with his values. When you saw it just ground by the pussy, people didn't. Al- people that are that are that are very Christian did not align with that, mm-hmm. but they saw him as a battering ram, as a force that was going to do it.
1: Yeah, and, and the like, and the alternative was Clinton, right? At that particular no, junction,
2: the alternative would have been all the other Republicans that were uh, running.
1: Well, I'm talking about he after got, the primaries.
2: Yeah, but he, yeah. Won a, he won a bunch of primaries. I'm saying like he was a pretty early on. People are like, "I like that brash right. way." But, of the, he, but that's the chronology, so
1: the chronology of that the, that comment you just mentioned was not was not that was la- later stage.
2: Yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is that, but his personality, who he is, yeah. a lot of the the dirt around him, the things that he had done. Him calling uh, Ted Cruz's wife whatever ugly and yeah. that all happened during the primaries.
1: Oh, for sure. And people for were sure. still
2: aligned with that. Yeah. Right. So, and know that he doesn't align with our conservative values, but he is maybe the best the best hammer for the job, whatever you want to call it. Right.
1: Yeah. There's a whole show we should do just around the 2024 ticket and all these different things yeah. that are being prognosticated. Right. I've seen like Michelle yeah. Obama with uh, with Pete Buttigieg. I've I've seen She's like. Right I've seen DeSantis with... uh, What is it? DeSantis and... uh, I think he's gonna run. For Mike, sure. uh, for no, no, sure. but but I've also seen I've like also the, the combos like what the, the right. combos, yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I I've like also that. I've also heard the um, uh-huh. what's the vice president under Trump's name? I just forgot it. Mike, um, Mike Pence. Mike Mike Pence. Oh my gosh, he, I just he's forgot. so irrelevant that I, you don't even know. But there was his... <laughs> there was a thing there was a thing that I read that was like, well, Pence is now you know they, they've broken broken with Trump over January sixth, sure. and that now he's trying to do this counter ticket thing for the twenty. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's like MMA, you know what I mean? You got like all these like uh, yeah. you know, part yeah. three battles that That's, are taking that shape. That is funny. I look, I think just to kind of close this out, um, even though I, I haven't listened to him as much, I do think that Rogan is, Rogan's is his important voice, less about what he says and more about that he's saying something. I just think that, you know, I think about him talking about certain things, whether it be... Um you know, bringing somebody like Barry Weiss after she resigned from the New York Times to come talk sure. about, hey, you know what? like we as the New York Times really we kind of forgot our journalist journalistic standards during the trump elect uh a campaign mm-hmm. to become president the first time, and she lost everything because of that kind of falling out, but like that kind of story, the rise of things like Rising, all of these things you can relate in some way to Rogan. Mm-hmm. And I think those things are important. And, and you know, I'm happy he's doing That's it. That's also I
2: one, do, Rising, a good example of one that I've just had a hard time with. It's awful with them. now. Yeah. Well, because
1: both of them are terrible. And the, and the audio, here's another thing. for not Listen to it the next time. I know you're not as audiophile as I am. Yeah. Do they have a friggin' microphone anywhere on that set? I mean, it's insane. It sounds like they're in a cavern somewhere, right. talking over an iPhone. But the guys are totally the the two people on the the whatever his name is the, uh, the young younger white guy and the older kind of white guy. Uh, one's more, oh no
2: no I was, re- I was ref- okay I was referring to um yeah those that's terrible right, the new version yeah, of rising is the new is version is terrible. of
1: rising is terrible
2: uh the other one which is um uh, with with Segar and Crystal I also think that one has gone worse yeah. I, I don't care for it. Um, well, because I didn't it used transition. to be
1: because it used to be more about a, a conversation from these very different perspectives, where it's now kind of a mono nationalist, uh, kind of a nationalist populist. It, also, kind of, also kind of going thing.
2: back to the Rogan, their very their whole brand position is be anti mainstream media, and I think when you do that, I feel like you, your orientation instead of about having nuanced conversations, having nuanced conversation and anti and mainstream media are not the same thing. Right, one is you're trying to attack this broader network, and I think that's a part where it's a little bit of a turnoff for me because you're not actually having the kind of conversations that I think you should be having. By the way, because I, your I would, your orientation yeah. is so about hitting the mainstream media sure. that you're that you're so against. I,
1: I would also put things like the Young Turks. We're gonna have the president, ex president of the Young Turks, on the show in in a month or so. I would put the Young Turks in that category too. I would put Daily Wire in that category too. I think, and again, anti mainstream. Is fair, but I also think that I've heard it defined as there's kind of a corporate side of media and a kind of not corporate side of media. Yeah. And the not corporate side of media, I think, is something generally speaking that I'm happy exists. That's just a general. Yeah, but
2: breaking point is, is the name of the of the show, by the way. that I was thinking with with, with Segar and uh, and Crystal. That's that's their new platform. I just don't like the orientation that it that they and they're saying it all the time that they're the anti-mainstream, right? Like listen to us because if you're anti-mainstream media. Um, I don't know. I, I used to like their position much better.
1: And you, don't, and you don't like the do, – do do you see the idea of a corporate media as all?
2: Sure, but I think when that's your orientation, the types of things that you're bringing up are different, right? When I'm for something or I'm against something, those are two very different orientations of yeah. the kind of things you're trying to talk about. And I think the being against something puts them in this different category of what orients, orients their conversation, trying to prove mainstream media wrong – I suppose to have a nuanced conversation to help people better understand the issues that are happening. Mm. Those to me are two very different orientations and I've seen too many examples of them trying to prove mainstream wrong. Like if my show is all about how the CNN fucked up this last week, that's a great show. People People love that. Instead, my orientation is about let's actually really understand the issue that happened. They're, they're much more nuanced. Yeah. The Kyle Rittenhouse trial, let's actually talk about. I agree. And I don't rather, think than my, rather than my orientation being, let's talk about how all the coverage, my was wrong about it. Those are two very different I think, orientations. I think
1: Fox, not so much in their news, uh, their true news stuff, which, you know, we'll leave to the side for a second, but certainly in their talking heads, has gotten much more about how CNN and MSNBC suck. And I think right. the same frankly on on uh, CNN in particular less sure. less MSNBC ironically like I feel like almost MSNBC is just being a little bit more kind of just progressively partisan but they're not bashing the other media thing I think it's become a fist fight for a lot of these uh, yeah, probably. these media brands yeah. all right well I think uh, my last point on Rogan I do hope that we have the 20, one at least one of the 2024 debates on his show because he did offer that for uh, Biden and, and Trump but that would be friggin Fascinating be to have a five hour debate on his show for uh that for twenty twenty four. Would be hilarious. I, I don't
2: know There there isn't there is no other comparison to another show like that, that you could that you could be on. Uh, yeah, I don't know I don't know. Yeah. I think nothing anyone's nothing
1: near that size for no. sure. I mean you're talking about hundreds of millions of downloads a show. Right. When a guy does like three shows a week. I mean that's right. crazy. I influence. wonder what
2: his uh Oh, we we can probably pull it up on the on the on, the, on that app, oh, yeah. right? I can, see what the, yeah, I can do I'm it in the Yeah, I'm very curious to see what
1: that looks like. We haven't actually. Oh no, we can't. We tried it because it's only it only pulls oh, from it's Apple. A Spotify. Yeah, it only pulls yeah. from Apple. Oh, uh, I would
2: love to see that. I bet that profile has changed significantly. Yeah, this is a tool over the last that, over the last year, but that's changed significantly.
1: This is a tool. Should we give them a little shout out? What's the, I I, I kind of I need to find the name of the tool, but this is basically a tool that visualizes people who are listening to a podcast, like basically the other podcast that they listen to.
2: What else do they subscribe to? And it's a
1: tool called Raphonic, R-E-P-H-O-N-I-C, raphonic.com. But it only works off of people who have podcasts on Apple and Rogan no longer does. We can't actually make that, make that view. I'll still include the link in the show notes. All right, my friend, courage or cringe? Let's do it. So, what's up first? Oh, Chris Cuomo. My boy, Chris Cuomo. Telling you, I like him with those fake weights, the fake 100 pound weights. That's That's right. So, Courage
2: or Cringe, CNN suspends Chris Cuomo indefinitely. Um, Well, this escalated quickly.
1: Ron Burgundy, good line. Yeah. Good line. So
2: uh you know, this just this news just dropped, was it uh Wednesday or Tuesday? Tuesday, I guess it would have been right. Well, his
1: official suspension was Tuesday, I think. Tuesday, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. So he's been suspended uh indefinitely by the cable news network. Now, this is after the New York Attorney General's office released text messages and transcripts of interviews that revealed his deep involvement in helping his brother, former governor, Andrew Cuomo, right, respond to a series of sexual harassment allegations that happened uh recently, right? Now the documents they released included transcripts of his interviews with the new york uh, a g where he shared that he frequently deleted emails and text messages. Now, this is part of the reason because they they did they did subpoena him why they didn't get much information out of him, right which is an interesting even when I read that to me like, huh. You could say he's hiding something. It could also be as someone that's a journalist that is very used to having to like protect really the
1: sources protect that.
2: sources. That it will make a lot of sense. So so you gotta really like look at that in context of who you're talking about, right? Now he also admitted to using his journalism connections to learn more about potential accusers of his brother and timing of stories being released, right? So that's a that's not no buenos, I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, now both Liz Smith, who's a Democratic strategist. And Melissa De Ramos, who was the former secretary of the government, both admitted having frequent conversations with Chris regarding the situation with his brother, right? Now, some of the text conversations that were between DeRosa and Chris included, Chris basically scolding DeRosa for not sharing information with his brother about the stories before they broke, right? Uh, at one point, he texted her to delete the thread now, right? this like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never good. Which obviously she didn't do, so it's not great at following directions. DeRosa, come on, man. Well, oh, come on, lady. Uh, and even they also asked via text for Chris to check his sources when it was expected that one or two more women were going to be coming forward. Something that basically uh, Chris admitted to actually uh, reaching out to other journalists to see that, w- that was the case, right? Now, all of this comes after initially he denied having given advice to his brother, but then admitted very publicly as well that he joined some of the calls to give his brother advice. Mm. Now, to all of this, CNN said, when Chris admitted to us that he had offered advice to his brother's staff, he broke our rules and we acknowledged that publicly. But we also appreciated the unique position that he was in and understood his, his need to put family first and job second. However, these documents point to a greater level of involvement in his brother's efforts than we previously knew. As a result, we have suspended Chris indefinitely pending further evaluation so courage or cringe Charlie brotherly love gone wrong or savvy media personality leveraging his connections and influence to cover for his brother
1: so on the suspension itself mm-hmm. actually on on the whole thing I'm gonna be cringe but specifically on the suspension itself okay here's the thing I think Jeff Zucker should be fired now he actually is already announced earlier this year that he was going to step down at the end of this year I, I haven't seen or heard much about it he announced it in January or February mm-hmm. so I don't know if that's still the plan. But if it wasn't the plan, that guy should resign and he or, she, or he should be right. fired if, by if the For those Warner, that don't
2: know, this is the president of CNN who you
1: right, to. the president of CNN uh, which is now part of whatever Warner Media or these uh, right. That guy so he, here's a, l- let's remember the chronology of this thing, okay? This all stems from to my mind the bigger story is CNN's total lack of inept management of this entire thing from the very beginning. Right. If you remember Cuomo as a journalist and he's really an opinion person, I don't even see him as an as a news anchor, but him as a journalist was told, stay away from your brother because your brother just got elected to be governor. And it's not cool for you to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Then what happened? COVID hits and his brother, the governor of New York, becomes like Fauci and a couple of other people, an incredibly important figure in the COVID thing yeah. to, to talk about. So now he is news. I gotta bring him on. New York is so important. It's the epicenter of this disease. Blah, blah, blah. They end up having these incredible little tête's. You've said before that it like right. you loved it. It was great. Right. It was good TV. It was it's funny. Blah blah blah. All this other stuff, right? That was good until there's allegations about some nursing home fiasco. And now there's allegations about you know sexual and sure. inappropriate. Then they're like, OK, now, again, don't do it. So they had a policy, rescinded that policy, reinstated that policy. Mm-hmm. And then now when these allegations come up that now Cuomo has been involved in advising his brother in whatever way, they're like, oh, now we're suspending you. I just think that that entire process has been so poorly managed and it has a lot less to do with him than it does with other, with, with, uh, I'm sorry, a lot less to do with Cuomo than it does with, right, with the, the infrastructure. Exactly. With the management and mm-hmm. infrastructure of CNN. Now, what happens with the suspension? My guess, my thought is that he's never coming back. I agree with That's that. my thought. Yeah. Now, if that's true, I think it, it, it kind of, you know, begs the question of where's the line between you helping your brother and not. Now, I heard somebody recently say, you recuse yourself by saying, I'm going to help my brother in whatever that means. I'm going to use every resource I have, but that means I'm not going to be on the air while I do it. Okay, that could be a path. Or I'm not going to talk to my brother while I'm on, or some other variation. Right. But my point is that irrespective of what Chris Cuomo may or may not have done, the blame is on CNN. That's who needs to bear the brunt of this thing, and they're not. They're not. This guy's just like, oh, you did something bad, you're out. Dude, you guys right. created this situation from my perspective. So I'm a cringe. That's very interesting. Um, hmm, you changed. Well, I, don't, I
2: wasn't going to take that angle at all, but you make some very compelling points. So I'm going to agree with you 100% on that. Um, I agree that CNN created a situation. Uh, I agree that the president of CNN should be the one that should be stepping down, resigning because of this, not just stepping down at at their own time. Uh, And this is the problem with having such a your biggest profile person be directly involved with this, you know, with this governor that had this is not the first issue to your point that has come up. Now, I don't blame Chris Cuomo at all for helping his brother. I think he should have helped his brother and should talk to him because he didn't do anything illegal. And help his brother he was this is not a case where you know their back alley pay people off or doing he is using his skill set his expertise to give advice and his advice was many times like own it like there was also like good guidance that he was trying to give his brother as he's going through this difficult situation the problem though comes down to him not disclosing it and not recusing himself from his public persona and this platform that he has at cnn and even though I don't think he used it during that time to try to sway public opinion, which he could have, and I think that's even bit, even worse, it's just not great optics that he has this pu- very public platform at the same time that this really controversial thing is happening, of which he is he is directly involved in giving feedback. So I, I'm not I don't feel bad necessarily for him that he is that he is um, uh, in, on leave right now, and I agree with you. I don't see him coming back. But I do think that it should start with with um with the leadership. They're the ones that screwed it up. I agree with you. They screwed it up and they should bear some responsibility in the situation that was created.
1: And I think it's interesting too to see what kind of allies um Cuomo's actually, you know, uh I guess uh Developing now during the course of this, because one of them, ironically, is Tucker Carlson. Yeah, I saw who's, that. Who's come out pretty, pretty <laughs> aggressively in his defense, right? Well, so, yeah, 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 I
2: Yeah, no, no, yeah. It's, it's Who so like, hates him like he's like he, he was, thinks he's like, a total idiot. But he's, he should like, help his brother. Like brother comes first rather than company. And like, yeah. So I, I think, even in all of this said, I don't think Chris is going to be in a terrible situation. Like, if there's anyone that could be that could potentially have a shot at trying to maybe. We just talked about Joe Rogan, right? If Joe your Rogan own in thing, any way. If if Joe godsend. Rogan in any way has been let's say let's say we are right. That if you looked at his sort of social profile of audience, like it's actually has moved further right. There's people probably like me that now feel a little bit like now starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable when you walk into that room that you feel really comfortable for. Is there someone like a Chris Como that could come in and his own platform? Chris Como dude that dude's super popular.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He could blotch his own thing control it and now potentially now you have a potential counterbalance here
1: i think is it's a, gonna be, i think it's a total i think total, that will be his move i think that it, should be his a move it's a total godsend that guy could come out with a really killer podcast his own brand he could do a whole thing have merch i because mean even if bananas. he says
2: even if he says i made mistake he already said like he's embarrassed about it he's talked about it publicly in a pod. I forgot what, what podcast he was in he hasn't talked much about it uh, this is very embarrassing for him this is the case but most people look at that and can understand yeah, but it's his brother. It's your brother. Yeah, yeah but did you do something really illegal? No. Okay, it's it's bad it's bad practice. It's bad optics for sure. He should have disclosed it for sure. He didn't do anything illegal. He didn't do anything to try it out. He didn't go after these women in any way whatsoever. That that's hard to recover from. He was helping his brother. Most people mm-hmm. will probably give him a pass None of this would have happened. And he's super likable. He he's people, very... people, you, have people, you have people that disagree with him. He's super likable.
1: I, I've, I've said it how many times yeah. I've said it on this show. And, and I agree with literally nothing that he says, but I like him a lot. I I, um, I think none of this would have happened if it weren't for CNN seeing dollar signs around oh, the interaction sure. and caving on their own policy and then putting this guy in a way in kind of a no-win spot. And I think that's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I agree. Nice.
2: All right. So we start an agreement. Uh, our next topic, Courage or Cringe, Representative Lauren Boebert uh, refuses to publicly apologize to Rep uh, Ilhan Omar for anti-Muslim remark. Hmm. So last week in a video posted on Twitter, Representative Lauren, I'm I saying Bobert, is that the same thing? I think used? it is Bobert. Yeah. Bobert, right? Yeah. Uh, who's a Republican or Bobbert. from. Or Co- Bobert. Bobert? No, she's it's from T. Colorado. It's, but oh, uh, Bobert. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. It is a T. Yeah. Um, Bobert. Maybe it is Bobert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Republican of Colorado was called referring to Representative Omar, who was a Democrat from Minnesota, as a member of the jihad squad and claimed that a Capitol police officer thought she was a terrorist in an encounter in an elevator on Capitol Hill. Did you actually see the story? Well, I saw
1: the video of her. I, I didn't see that. Comment, she's but telling s-
2: the story. She's telling a story that yeah. basically, some some Capitol police officer saw her uh,
1: wearing a backpack or something. right? No,
2: so she was coming out of an elevator, yeah. and apparently, this, this police officer like looked very really concerned. And according to to Bulber, she was like, oh, don't worry, she's not wearing a backpack."
1: That's what it was about so the backpack. So she was like yeah.
2: dissing her, yeah. like, hey, do like, you know, even if she is a jihadist, she's not wearing a backpack. So she made this joke about it, but she claimed the story that, uh, according to uh, uh, Omar, she said it never actually it never happened, mm-hmm. right? Now, her comments were, of course, were condemned by Democrats and even some Republicans, which led to her, Bobbert, uh, apologizing on Twitter. And she said, and I quote, I apologize to anyone in the Muslim community I defended with my comments about Representative Omar. I have reached out to her office to speak with her directly. There are plenty of policy differences to focus on without this unnecessary distraction. I I love these apologies to everyone that I offended. (laughs) But who she is not apologizing to is to the person she actually offended, right? Well, apparently they they do reach out and there was a conversation between the two, but it was not very productive, right? Omar uh, hung up on Bobert Bobert, uh, after the Colorado Republic and refused to make a public apology to her to this, Omar, Representative Omar said, I believe in engaging with those we disagree with respectfully, but not when that disagreement is rooted in outright bigotry and hate. Now, as for Representative Boebert, she admitted to refusing to apologize publicly and instead demanded for Omar to apologize for her anti-American rhetoric. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, I believe in engaging with those. Uh, I'm sorry. That was, that was, that was from the mm-hmm. point. Um, um and now, Omar uh, and Democratic leaders have demanded that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy hold Republicans accountable for anti Muslim rhetoric. Uh, and to make her point that this rhetoric will, this rhetoric will cause violence, uh, Representative Omar played a voicemail she received after Bowen made her comments that said, and this is the voicemail that she played, right? It says, We see you, Muslim, and Ensler, bitch, basically. We know that you're what you're up to. You're all about taking over our country. Don't worry, there's plenty. We'll, that will love the opportunity to take you off the face of this earth, and it kind of goes from mm. there, right?
1: It's disgusting.
2: Yeah, pretty terrible. Um, so, courage or cringe? Politicians playing partisan politics or unchecked, dangerous rhetoric fueling bigotry against minority representatives?
1: Yeah, I think, and this is one of those cases. Um, so, the, the 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 cringe itself is on her refusing to apologize uh, publicly to Representative yeah. Omar. So, I'm a, I'm am I'm a cringe on this. Um, you know, see, it's, it's, we should start with the basics, which we've talked about before, right? Criticize privately, praise publicly. Um, and in the case of something that was said in public, if an apology in public is what the person who's been offended asks or requests, it seems very logical for me that that should be the outcome, right. that you should apologize publicly to the person of which, of course, she is part of the Muslim community. So you could get into that whole thing. It's like, I did apologize to you because I apologize to everybody who's Muslim. So therefore, that's you. <laughs> So I think I think, that I think a that's. Stretch.
2: Like, by the way, even she's admitted she's not gonna do it publicly. So right. she, in her own comments, she says she's not gonna apologize.
1: Publicly. So I think it is it is the right thing to do to apologize. Um, you know, publicly. Um, here's the here's the part that that really you know bugs me about this, uh-huh. um, and that is. The comment that uh, Ilan Omar actually made about, um, you know, her sort of rationale, right? So I believe in engaging with those we disagree with, mm-hmm. but not when that disagreement is rooted in outright bigotry and hate. I think that's such part of the problem, right? In other words, when somebody has is approaching something from a position of ignorance, uh-huh. hatred, bigotry, whatever it is, what's the outcome then if we don't engage with them? and we don't have uh, discussions with them, what happens to them? Do we throw them away? Do we kill them? Do we ignore them? Do we whatever? And it's like, I know that what she was attempting to do was just say, hey, here's my rationale for hanging up. And most people would read that statement and go, yeah, that's right. Damn it. I agree. But I think that's part of the problem is that if somebody requires more education, more engagement, more accompaniment, more... Whatever. In order to, to, to leave a, uh, a, a point of view that is offensive, how else are they going to get that? How else are they going to get that? So it's like this idea of like, I'm going to throw somebody in the garbage because their perspective, I believe, comes from a place of hate. You have to be a bigger person than that. And actually yeah. look to find ways, even for those people, this is part of that whole deplorables kind of ideology, which is there are some people who are fit to, to have discussions with and disagree with, and other people who are just beyond any kind of redemption, and those people we just throw in the garbage can. I think that's a problem as big, if not more, than a very insensitive uh, comment made by somebody who, who should know a lot better, who should be reprimanded or whatever the policy is that they have to do with these people uh, in order that this kind of thing never happen again. So I'm super cringe on Herb refusing to apologize publicly. I think she should have. I think it would be definitely taking the higher road. It could be a really cool moment to say like, hey man, I screwed up. I'm sorry and I'm going to do exactly what she says. But this, that quote just stuck with me, man. It stuck with me. But that quote
2: is not true from her own action. Because she did, Talk to her. She did engage with her.
1: Right? And okay, so like, then she's lying on top of it.
2: Well, she, this she, is what she, thought, she said. Th- that quote came after she talked to her. Right? That's what I mean. Th- but yeah. that quote already came out after she talked to her and ended up hanging up on her because Representative Bulbert refused to apologize publicly and instead wanted her to apologize to her for her anti-American statements. So this quote that she's saying afterwards, I'm just saying, like, I understand where you're going with this, but... This quote would actually be true if she never took the call, which would have been the case. It was like, I don't want to talk to her. She offended me publicly. She until I see a public appointment, I'm not gonna to talk to her. No, what actually happened is they had a conversation. And then this <laughs> then representative bubber said, like, in this call said apologize. like, no, no, you should be the one apologizing. So then her, that's what she hung up on her. So when she was talking about the fact that she hung up on her. She's to make this comment. So that's why. But why not when, when, say that then? Why not? I, I don't know. I don't know why. not? But that's why I don't why think not she say actually we
1: spoke, and she just wasn't getting it. And, she did say and, that.
2: I'm saying that quote specifically. It just the only thing I'm, I'm clarifying is that quote will be a hundred percent accurate of how she thinks about Bobert and how to deal with her if she never took the call. The reality is she actually did take that call and said so. She she's contradicting herself. She's not lying. She's contradicting herself a little bit in the sense that well, you are actually willing to engage with her because you did have a call with her. You just, in that call, it went south really quickly, ended up dropping off, and then you're making this, this statement. So, you're she's. I'm, first of all, I'm glad to hear that even as offended as she was, that she wouldn't have a conversation with him, mm-hmm. right? The reality is that didn't get anywhere, right? And,
1: and I do think that's the right move for Bobert to have done, is to try to reach out to her individually. I do think that that's the right yeah,
2: move. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, And there is, and it is tricky, man, because you do have... I kind of see it two things. Either Representative Bobert is either very ignorant... Or this is a great political move. Mm. And I actually think it's a ladder. I think it's a great political move. This speaks to the base that she's speaking to, right? Because for her, there is no downside, right? She's from Colorado, right? What is the percentage of Muslim communities in Colorado that will. Uh, I don't know.
1: Probably small.
2: Very small, probably, right? Yeah. So for her, and then for anyone that, it, that believes in, like, that, 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 that will be okay with making a joke of her being part of the jihad squad. For who, who that message resonates with, she comes off as hey, it was just a joke. It's one of those, ah, just a joke. I was just trying to be funny, and you know, maybe I crossed out a little bit. I reached out to her, but she's also been saying all kinds of crap. That anyone that is on that camp is probably happy with this, with the whole thing. It's happy with the joke. It's happy that she's okay. Even if she crossed the line. She tried to reach out, but yeah. then used it as a way to stick it to her again. Everyone loves that. It's it's really hard to say at this point. Then what do you do with people like that? You know, there's that saying that. You know, don't argue amongst fool. Don't argue with a fool because people from from far away they can't tell the difference. Mm. There's a little bit of that going on here, and I don't know. I agree with you in terms of engaging people. Yeah, I'm just not there's... sure what what you do in those situations. You just, I mean, because it's not ignorance. Like, dude, she knows. Yeah, she you
1: take you, you take the higher ground. You know what I mean? You say you say, listen. Um, I completely disagree. I think it was really disgusting what she said. It really hurt yeah. me. It hurt a lot of people. At the same time, I appreciate her calling, and she refuses to apologize publicly. That's on her. It will reflect poorly on her. Yeah. But um, that's the situation. Rather than saying we don't, uh, we don't, we we can disagree respectfully with people, except those people whose disagreement comes from bigotry or hate, as defined by me. That just keeps it. It's just it keeps people in corners again. I just, yeah. I, I just think that people like this have a responsibility to be bigger on both sides. And I think she could have won a tremendous amount of support, at least from independents, at least from independents, who look at the situation and they're like, you know, that's actually cool that she did that.
2: Yeah, but the, but the reality is people are okay with it. Representative, like, right, the, the what's his name? Um, the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, no one's come out publicly and said, hey, you're crossing the line. Don't do that.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's, like, like, I don't know what they've talked about. I don't know if that's.
2: Yeah, okay. that, it yeah. doesn't, like that's yeah, some republicans came out and say, Hey, you cross the line but but when the leadership of the team of the team literally doesn't mm-hmm. come out and say, Hey, we don't do that. We don't ha- unfortunately right now we don't have a McCain who's willing to tell a person, Hey, Obama, he he's not a like he is not this terrorist he's not a Muslim. Like there was like a very public, um what was like one of the debates, right? Where he like corrected her on the spot. I don't know if you have that kind of 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 um yeah, but I don't think like leadership. You, I agree to do that I now. I don't, I don't, think, I don't you
1: think you have that on with Pelosi or Schumer. Think, or any of those guys either. I don't think, I don't think either, you though. have
2: that. But this in this case of using race, using people's faith as a way to kind of like this is not the first time when these kind of comments come out about yeah. about, about Omar and yeah. people are just not willing to, to to say anything about it. I think if anything, she comes out as even more of a champ. The people are more excited about it. So anyway,
1: you're you're also I'm also cringe, cringe on it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so we're agreeing Not on problem. that. I just I, I just think that that is an important you yeah. know distinction for me. Last point is the idea mm-hmm. of the word jihad, which is kind of a deep irony in this. Is that the joke about the jihad squad, you know, being made to Ilan Omar? Ilan Omar, like many progressive Muslims, has also sought to explain jihad. As something that is not a pejorative term, meaning jihad as a struggle personally, as a personal struggle, as the idea of overcoming something and not the idea of a terrorist attack. So it's interesting that somebody, you know, says, uses jihad to her, right, even though they're conception of what jihad means may be terrorist attack, right? But that the word jihad is offensive in this context, right? Mm -hmm. Because of how it's intended, even though... Somebody like Omar would say the word jihad is actually good. But but you You see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah yeah. But in this case, you think Boer even cares to understand what the difference is? No no no. I'm not suggesting that. You already got the ding on the point. You know you got the
1: you've got the you you got the good soundbite points on the scoreboard. Who cares? Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. She's also super young too. That's the other thing is like these you know a lot of these people and Omar's young too. They a lot don't have a ton of like life experience which makes me feel that that kind of like just political kind of cynical political thing could definitely be true because it's just not really well thought through you see what I'm saying
2: but it's hard for me to blame her age on this because this is the kind of statement that that Trump could have made anytime Mm -hmm. that's not an age thing this is in the 70s
1: yeah no I'm not saying it's saying like like it
2: has nothing to do with it look I even thought about like with her people could say like oh she was a high school dropout okay but then she went. She got her GED, and then she she's she's a uh, you know a representative now. Like that's really good, you know. Even if she was a high school dropout, like she had a, a kid really young, okay. A lot that have kids really young. Like I don't yeah. want to use any of that to justify. A position, and I don't think it's ignorant. She's, I really do think she's it's definitely a, getting herself. political she's,
1: points. She's a brand now, right? She's For like, sure. Uh, and, and, and I think that that kind of branding is bad across the board. I detest the idea of the squad, I think that that's ridiculous. All of these brands, all it does is put you in a place where now I got to live up to this thing. Right. That's what it does. Yeah. So, anyway, different right. reasons, same outcome.
2: Next Last Courage or Cringe Nordic
1: Cathedral Slammed over Rebuild plans Turning it into Woke theme park. It's pronounced Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Come on, it's not a university in, in Notre uh, Indiana. Notre Dame, you're right, you're right, you're
2: right. So as many may recall, the Notre Dame Cathedral was nearly completely destroyed by a fire back in 2019. Yep, right? big fire. So in response, there were hundreds of millions of dollars that were donated to rebuild it.
1: This is like a historical icon. I mean, anybody oh, who's been sure. to Paris, yeah, if yeah. you haven't gone to Notre, D- Notre Dame, you're like, you missed part of the show. You yeah, know I'm not, actually, never, I've never visited have you, I'm sure you have. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, been to, I've only been to Paris once, but I was definitely there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Well,
2: those rebuild plans are creating some controversy now, right? So those plans include replacing several confessional boxes, altars, and classical sculptures by art murals, sound and lighting effects, and a room for, and I quote, emotional spaces. Right? Nice. Visitors will also be able to travel along a discovery trail that beams scripture onto the walls in a variety of languages, including Mandarin Chinese, right? Now, one of the sanctuaries in the new church will probably be dedicated to the environment. hmm so this, of course, created major pushback. So there was Maurice Coulot, I guess. Um, Probably pronounced Coulot. Coulot, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not. This is literally the worst person to be trying to pronounce any <laughs> French pronunciation. <laughs> Who's an award-winning Paris architect. He said, it, it, it's, a, it's as if Disney were, were entering Notre Dame. What they're proposing to do to Notre Dame would never be done to Westminster Abbey or St. Peter's in Rome. I've been to both. It's a kind of theme park and very childish and trivial given the grandeur of the place. Mm. Others called it, this is political correctness gone mad. The way to turn Notre Dame into an experimental liturgical showroom that exists nowhere else, where it should be a landmark where the slightest change will be handled with great care. Now, as for the Catholic Church, they claim the renovation will make the building accessible and understandable to people all over the world, right? So courage or cringe, innovative approach to increase impact of iconic worship experience or classic Catholic institution gone woke.
1: Yeah, so um, I guess I probably net out on courageous to- um, to, 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 to going woke? To, no, to slam them <laughs> over their plans. Uh, I guess if that's the headline, it's a terrible headline. But if I had to pick, I'd say that. But here's the thing. So churches are not museums, though. If you think of like where the criticism has been coming from, it's been mostly coming from secular sources, right? People who are not church people, not religious people, architects and other people like that, who are looking at this building. And it is an astonishing building. Right. It's beautiful on the inside. It has all of this great history and legacy and tradition and everything like that. And when you look at a church as a museum, your starting point is preservation, Yeah. right? And that's not what a church is. A church is a worship space. It is a place to have an encounter with God. Principally, that's what it is, right? So I definitely object to the idea of—even th- though even though these people may agree with me that to, to be courageous, I object with, to the idea of thinking of churches as museums. Sadly, in Europe, many churches have become museums, especially non-Catholic churches, have become museums. Or some other utilization, or it's like a tourist destination, but there's not actually any worship happening. But
2: there are many Catholic churches that also fall in that category. There are, but a lot less. Latin America, Mexico City, right? Like the big cathedrals. Those are places that people, those are places to visit that are... But yes, I make, I'm, making still a, already, I'm making a um,
1: distinction. All of them are places to visit. What I'm saying is some have lost entirely the fact that there's a community that worships oh, there got it, got it, got it. and have become literally yeah, yeah, museums, yeah, yeah, right? Places yeah. to actually go see. So I reject that argument. I also reject categorically this idea that look at all this beautiful stuff and we can sell it and give it to the poor. It's like, no, think of it from the perspective of the architect, artist, whatever. They're trying to give the very best to God. Where else are they gonna do it? Are they gonna keep it for themselves? Are they gonna like build it for their mom? They're trying to build it for God, which is why cathedrals are, ama- at least the Gothic ones like this one, mm-hmm. are extraordinary structures. It's right. like people are like, I wanna build the most grandiose offering to God. So, like, I to completely right. reject that idea. The interesting little wrinkle in this, I don't know if you knew this, but today, the Archbishop of Paris, right? So, I don't know, when you said the Catholic Church's position, I don't know where that comes from. The Catholic Church's position, we talked about this many times, is whatever the position of the bishop in that particular diocese oh, interesting. is.
2: What, what, what interesting. What did he say?
1: He resigned today. He resigned today for completely separate reasons, but he resigned. So what makes me think very interestingly, like, what's going to happen with these plans? And that's the other mm. thing is... But, but you yeah. you think that's related? I don't well, I don't know. He's apparently a guy who's been embroiled in some controversy. There's some people who think he's very rigid and like whatever. And there was a bunch of complaints made to the Vatican about him. And so he submitted his resignation to the Pope, which you know, for people to know happens normally when a bishop hits seventy five. They have to submit their resignation. This guy's seventy, so five years shy of being right. seventy-five. And the Pope just today accepted his resignation. Pope Francis many times has not accepted resignations of bishops who are embattled because he thinks like you know what stick it out doesn't matter even if you are embattled right, right. he accepted this one in this case so I don't know maybe some of this has something to do with that <laughs> um, the other the other just quick note is that the rector the the basically the guy who runs this parish specifically who is a priest the pastor let's call it uh-huh. the pastor of that particular uh, church that cathedral has said that all of these th- things were just ideas that none of this stuff is necessarily being implemented. we were just kidding. <laughs> psych psych
2: <laughs> i love that i no, 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 would we'll just see now. yeah and you um, guys go for that oh and and look you know <laughs> as,
1: as, as a person who like likes old cars and old motorcycles and things like that there is a real beauty about things being kind of untouched and kind of like all stock and all original and right. all that stuff so i'm not a fan of having things projected on walls and all this. not in that space In another space maybe right. but not in that one but and so at the end of the day, again, I'm uh, you know I'm okay with them criticizing these plans. But I think the reason for the criticism is coming from the wrong people in this case, right? Who are people that are viewing this thing. That's as something why you're other than it is.
2: you're cringe on the criticism.
1: Well, I'm courageous on the curve. I'm either courage or cringe on them being slammed, and I'm courageous. But my discussion as to who's making the criticism. I'm also I'm cringy on I'm cringeworthy on what their criticism actually is because they're approaching it from the standpoint of look at this amazing museum we should keep it as an amazing museum or you, you, you
2: confused me Charlie so on the <laughs> the, <laughs> on s- the headline
1: is they get slammed
2: slammed for 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 rebuild plans turning into a woke theme park I believe Are that you... it's
1: fine for people to give their opinion of why this shouldn't be the case so
2: you're courageous on the yeah oh yeah, okay got got it yeah yeah but I okay, wanted got to give you got some got thinking
1: it. behind it yeah
2: right uh. Yeah, I'm cringe on the headline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm cringe on. Um, I think that I guess maybe my point of orientation would be is that I, I think that part of the challenge that faith has had, uh, and not just the Catholic Church, I think many many religions is that when they are too slow to evolve, and it's one thing about evolving philosophy, evolving like the the core tenets of the faith. But the how you present the faith to people to make it more relatable, more accessible, when you're slow on that, that's a problem. And I think this, in my mind, whether I frankly don't have an opinion on whether you need emotional spaces. I like the idea a lot of a discovery trail and having scripture on the walls in different languages because I'm young enough or old enough, not young, old enough to remember when, when in the Catholic Church it was done in Latin. Mm-hmm. And I just, I find it super weird then. I'm like, but no one knows what they're talking about. Like, why would you do it this way? Well, like, what, I'm sitting here, twiddling my thumbs, like, looking around and see what I find. Yeah. I don't understand at all why you would do that, right? And I don't know there's, like, really good reasons, et cetera. But my orientation is always orient to connecting with people, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And if this helps connect the faith with more people so that when people maybe are visiting for the wrong, let's say it's the wrong reasons. To check the box because when they're going to Paris, like, we're going to go to the loo. We're going to go to, like, all these different, whatever, um, places, and this is one of them. But if that becomes a moment where all of a sudden someone reads something, sees something that like connects with them? Why not? Yeah. Right? Like, use it as a moment for that. Use it as a moment to connect with people. And if and if that means changing something, I'm not saying I like the historic, I love historic buildings. I love the history. But I love the art of it. So my orientation as a person that likes art will be to keep it so that it stays the same. But I think the intention of 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 churches, if they want to do the job that they're there to do, which is connect with people, should be to continue to think about ways to better connect with people.
1: Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, there's a counter argument to to the idea of, um, you know, changing the way the method in these in these kind of contexts to better connect with people. And the counterpoint goes something like this: that it is precisely the fact that it is the original, and that it is so grandiose and so different from something that you might otherwise experience, right. that in itself is what drives this connection, that there's something different happening here, something supernatural, something extraordinary, because it isn't like the rest of the world. It's a counterpoint. I'm not saying yeah, I agree with I, it. I, I think I'm just sharing it yeah,
2: with Yeah, I think there's could, be, there's could be cases where you could be in awe of a place of an experience, but still, there is no lasting moment beyond the awe, or there's because, no connection beyond that. Yeah. Because there's there's nothing there yeah, that I fair. actually understood what was yeah. happening.
1: And that's the difference between the initial kind of inspiration and the transmission. That puts,
2: it, that puts it in the art category, in my
1: mind. Sure, and the transmission right. of a faith or whatever it yep. is. And I, I I definitely agree with that. So you know, more to do, but it's it's a definitely a place uh, to you know worthy of visiting. Um, obviously, I haven't been there since the fire, but uh, extraordinary uh, building. I mean, beautiful, beautiful building. Awesome. All right, we got some fun people coming on the show. I mentioned uh, already one of our upcoming guests, and we're going to be looking to have more of them on. By the way, if you have suggestions for guests, please let us know about that. Remember to, you know, give us that five star review. Comment on uh, the show itself. Anything else, ASUS? Any other major, massive announcements?
2: No, no major, massive announcements.
1: All right, very good. Episode sixty-six then is over and out. We'll see you again next time on TDR. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by BlackBrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer